Hi everyone, I'm Summer. I'm Carrie. And this is Hopoxia Podcast. Join us to talk about sex, drugs, and self-improvement. It's crazy to me, like there's records and stuff like that, like the, and like the CIA declassified stuff. And people will still argue and be like, no, they never would do that. That's not what they meant to do. And it's literally in the file, like, this is what we were trying to do. <laughs> like, right. what we're talking about. Yes, it says it outright, which like I'm still, I had to, when I worked at one law firm, I was assisting one of the attor- the senior attorneys with the project she was doing. And it required going through because going through our archival material for um, that, for this Cheyenne and Arapaho reservation. And so the Department of Interior, the, the Indian agents, as they called them, wrote reports continually, right? Like on a schedule and then sometimes letters and requests in between. So there's like volumes and volumes, of, you know, a lot of paper trail. And um, I'm still legitimately traumatized um, from the stuff that I read um, and how he would brag about, I say he, I actually read, it was, went through several different agents, but um, the stuff they would brag about, um, this was during boarding school um, timeframe that we were focused on. But yeah, so there's an argument that's tried to be made right now that they voluntarily sent their kids to school. But when you read the actual reports from the agents, you can track as they were literally reducing the amount of space that the people were allowed to hunt in deliberately to try to keep them from hunting because they were trying to force them to be farmers on land that is not suitable for farming because it didn't have irrigation and you know western Oklahoma is not I mean, you know, out towards El Reno and stuff like that. And Concho, that's not, it's too dry. There's not, it, it just don't, it doesn't. Um, and so basically it was trying to, to force them to do this. This wasn't working. So at some point there was, he, he got this great, he formulated this wonderful plan to um, get them to um, send their kids to school because you know they he had reduced the amount that they could hunt until it was useless and they literally could not hunt pretty much couldn't hunt to feed themselves and then of course crops weren't growing so they were dependent on the commodities from the government and so the um ultimatum was if you don't send your kids to the school you don't get commodities and everybody starves to death that's the voluntary, <laughs> um, yeah, attendance. And so anyhow, it was a lot of stuff like that in the industrial schools. A lot, And a lot of people think about it like, oh, they were giving them an education. But in reality, a lot of times, like the industrial schools were essentially work camps. It's like we would call it a sweatshop if it was in an Asian country. Like, and they, and they would, they would actually keep track in their reports about how much money they were making off of these kids, what they um, sold, how much they were paying the um, pastor of the one ones, I guess they probably weren't pastors in all of the denominations, but you know what I mean? The 
church people. Yeah, the church, the church officials, you know, for the ones that were um, run by churches. Um, yeah, so it's pretty horrific. But yeah, they, it's all documented. And so when people try to argue with you about that, I'm like, do you actually not know? Or are you just deliberately lying? Like, which one is it? I, it drives me crazy because anytime I've ever brought that up to anybody, they're like, well, they probably just faked that for propaganda. And I'm like, why would they fake something that makes them look bad? Like, right. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like that. Do you, did you think do you understand how propaganda works? Like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand. And they're like, well, if it wasn't them faking it, then somebody else must have faked it that just like hates America and hates Jesus. And I'm like, and, and hit it in the government's own archives. Is this and, a Nicolas Cage movie? I don't. And like, they only, those documents only get released like what, every few decades? Like they don't release them all at one time. And, they and it depends on what it is too. Like, that doesn't make any sense. And it's on the CIA official like website. Like, I don't Nobody's hacking the CIA. I mean, if they I mean, did, yeah. they probably would disappear. Yeah, we wouldn't know what happened to them. They would either start working for the CIA or be done so. You know what I found interesting? Here's another ADHD tangent. Um, so I was listening to an audiobook from um, this woman who grew up in a cult. Um, I think it was called uncultured. Anyhow, she grew up in a cult. Then she joined the army after she left the cult. And she jokes about <laughs> leaving one cult and joining another. Um, anyway, she was one of the first um, women in combat. Back, you know, back, back in the day. So anyhow, she talks about in this pro process of, you know, career planning and stuff. They, you know, they come... CA comes and recruits people and she makes mention that the that they told her that they um, particularly focus on missionary kids in CIA recruiting. Is it because they already have a cult like mine and will just fall into place? Partially and they're used to moving a lot. They've usually got experience in moving into different places so they have um, um, exposure to other um to living in cultures that are foreign to them and being disconnected from their own network. So they're easy to make disappear into the, uh, this, the agency and they don't have any normal healthy ties really. And I thought that was interesting. So the CIA is an abusive ex-boyfriend basically. I mean, isn't the U.S. government in general? Yeah. Actually, not even an ex-boyfriend. The, the one, yeah, the ones that keep you locked in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's my native. No, no <laughs> I like jumping out. That, I thought about. Do you watch Bailey Sarian when she does like her murder mystery makeup? Sometimes, she, yeah. She just did one the other day, and I can't remember her name. But it was in like the 70s and it was the guy that kidnapped a girl and put her head in a box, like a soundproof box and kidnapped mm. her and then took her back to his house with his wife and child 
and everybody knew about it and made her his like sex slave and like convinced her that there was like a BDSM organization for like sex slaves that was watching her and they were like if you ever try to escape they're gonna find you and they're gonna hurt you and kill your family and like she believed him like she was 20 21 I think when he kidnapped her and like she ended up being there with them for like five years oh, and she thing. went from like living in a box in like their basement to a box under the stairs to he literally built a box under their waterbed and she stayed under there Dang. yeah and oh. like it made me think of that. But I mean, think about it. Why wouldn't you believe him? He's managed to kidnap you and put you in a fucking box. Like, you know, and nobody's noticed and nobody's come to save you. Like, you don't know what else is possible. And it was in like the 70s. So like, people didn't have cell phones, didn't have like GPS, didn't have any of that. So like, if you were gone, you were just gone. Like, hmm. and she had gone from like, um, Washington or Oregon to California to go surprise a friend and she was hitchhiking and that's how they got her so even more terrified of hitchhiking hitchhiking I know terrified but that it the US government reminds me of the person that kidnapped her and we're the person that's living in a box under the bed she's fine now she she got out and she's still alive and she's done a lot of therapy so what happened to him he went to prison he's alive yeah he damn called out this year yeah so so he needs to disappear i agree <laughs> i agree he's a garbage human being I say this. I, I, I like to announce who I think should be dead when I have like an existential crisis over my son killing a spider. <laughs> Listen, the spider didn't do anything wrong, but this man it, did. <laughs> true, very true. But I, I, they were laughing at me because I my older two sons came over to help me um, move furniture the other day and he found a giant um, fiddleback spider, <laughs> brown or clues, so living about six inches from where I put my head at night when I'm sleeping. And so he goes to kill it. I'm like, no, no, no. He's like, well, what the hell do you want me to do with it, mom? You can't just sleep here with it right here. I'm like, okay, do what you have to do, but don't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even, like, <laughs> I can't even deal with the reality that the spider has to go. Oh, but I'm like ready to execute people. <laughs> Maybe he was protecting you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was protecting you from uh, death threats and things. Maybe he hmm. was a guardian of some sort. <laughs> well, he's gone now, so I'm fucked. Um. <laughs> Maybe he has a family living outside. <laughs> oh my goodness. I hope something's protecting me. I would... I. I hope there's a guardian family of fiddlebacks out there, but that they don't come inside the house or bother you. Oh, yeah, if they can stay outside there, I will not bother them. That's where they belong. That's as long fine. as they're not in my space, we we can vibe and be friends. Just 
yeah stay out there away from me and don't come close to me because i'll cry right <laughs> see i'm not even afraid of them i'm fine with it but like you know You're logically fine. i can't just let i can't can't just let it live right there <laughs> waiting for it to bite my face um yeah. I'm of spiders, uh, and I will cry if it gets near me. How do you feel about snakes? I love them. They're great. Even venomous snakes? I love snakes. I Every time we go to a pet store that has one that you can, like, hold, I'm like, give him to me, please. I want to play with him and love him. And it's my favorite. The spiders, no. I think it's because they're small and can just, like, disappear oh so then, then there's like the unknown <laughs> i don't like the way they walk it, no i also don't like all the eyes all the eyes bother you <laughs> no not a fan don't like that's, it it's <laughs> funny yeah so my daughter got bit by a snake did it have i talked about that on here no but you told me about it <laughs> oh my god okay now bless her heart Okay, so for anybody who hasn't heard the previous videos, she was born with psychopathy, okay? <laughs> so when her behavior makes no when no when her behavior makes no sense, I need you to remember that. It's an it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. They do not re have the same fear reaction that we do, okay? It's not so as it turns out she had a stash of stuff that she had stolen because that's what she does she makes a sport out of breaking into the main house and stealing whatever she can just for fun to drive me crazy um and so she had a stash of stolen stuff hidden in tall grass we live in a clearing in the woods with a pond 50 yards from my front door okay so whereas there is a very high likely to, li likelihood at any given moment of us having a venomous snake in the yard. Yeah. It just is what it is. So you pay attention, right? And I, I have my kids' entire lives. Every spring we go over, you know, snake safety, identification, all that. So it's not that she doesn't know the information. But because she doesn't have a normal fear response, she's not afraid of it. So she's out in the dark. She didn't turn on a light because, as I said, this was stolen stuff and she didn't want anyone to know where she had it hid. So she's out rummaging around in the dark with no shoes on in this tall grass. She gets bit on the side of her foot. Now she's fine. It only swelled up to the ankle, so it was a mostly dry bite. She's fine. But the amazing thing here is because she has psychopathy for one she did not have a normal fear reaction she knew because we go over this all the time about snakes and safety she knew rationally and logically this can be dangerous this burning that i'm feeling is not normal so she came and told me and i took her to the you know er and, and we did all the things even during all of this with a fucking snake bite she still had low blood pressure, low resting blood pressure, which is actually, in case anybody doesn't know, low resting blood pressure is a common characteristic among people with psychopathy. Um, that's why they don't, they, they don't get stressed like we do, so they don't die from stress-induced diseases. Um, 
pass a polygraph if you, they're not like admissible they could pass right because they don't have that same yeah. physio the because you know we don't think about it a lot but fear is more than just an emotion it has mm -hmm. physiological um what's the word symptoms right you know the high the increased blood pressure sometimes people will sweat you'll have all these things she showed none of that so like i've never actually seen a genuine fear response from her which is fascinating from a you know yeah <laughs> honestly a scientific standpoint yeah it, it's it. really and it's really Real, interesting from that no i don't want it <laughs> Right. And it's kind of, but the thing where I'm going with this is because they don't have a fear response. She's still not afraid of getting bit by the snake. So like she is still out wandering around constantly with no shoes on. She, I get the next day while she's still swollen, while she's still swollen up and having trouble walking. She's out, was outside with no shoes on looking for the snake. What's she going to do? I don't actually don't tell me. I don't want to know. She like wanted animals. I don't know. She wanted to tell me what kind of snake it was. I don't believe it. I don't. <laughs> well, that's what she said because she told me she did find a snake over there in that area, and she described it to me. She described a water moccasin. I mean, potentially could be. I don't know, but that was what she said she was wanting to was to to, to be able to tell me what kind it was. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I have doubts. <laughs> There's as good a chance of that being untrue as true. I never really know. Um, Water moccasins are no. I don't. They're scary. <laughs> they're actually they're not that bad. Uh, you know, I've watched where they've done like experiments with venomous snakes to see what it takes to get them to bite, and very often they have to be like stepped on, picked up, things like that before they'll actually bite. And I think she probably stepped on this one just because of where it bit her on the side of the foot. It looked like where if you step on them and they turn back on you. Um, so she was probably stepping on it and hurting it. So it gave her a warning strike. I would bite too if somebody stepped on me. Yeah. Fair. Well, I was in my house and somebody stepped on me. Bite. Right. Because it was nighttime. The thing was like laid up for the night. <laughs> You know, his minding own its own business. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's always interesting. It, it's fascinating from, you know, like I said, from like an, a scientific aspect to watch this and see how her brain works. But on the other hand, it's terrifying because I'm like, how do I keep this child alive Real. when she has no self-preservation instinct, really? I wonder what would happen. Do you know, like, those portable heart rate monitors they give people to, like, wear? I wonder what, if hers would just be, like, barely, like, bumpy at all, like, if she wore it for, like, a week or something? I don't know. I know when she's been in the um, hospital, because, you know, she's been at We've had a few stints of sitting in the ER waiting <laughs> for them to find, you know, acute care beds. And during those times, they have, you know, they'll have her hooked up to the, the monitor, and it's constantly setting the alarm off for low blood pressure. I wonder, like, what would happen if she had one of the portable ones? Because one of my friends had one in college, because she has a heart condition where, like, her heart will like pound so hard you can see mm -hmm. like, like the muscles in her chest move. Oh, wow. Um, and so she was wearing a heart monitor. I don't remember what she has. Um, 
but she had like medications and stuff she had to take for it and I remember like vividly right before she had to get the heart monitor to wear for like a month she Mm -hmm. had an episode outside while we were playing volleyball and I was with her and she just like went down while we were playing and I like ran over her and I was like is it your heart and she said yeah and I sprinted up the hill like massive hill and up like four flights of stairs because I didn't want to wait for the elevator to get to her room to get her meds and take them down to her and she had like really light like bruising like yellowish on her chest because it was so bad um but she had a really wow. a month and you could see like after that you could see like all the spikes from when she would have episodes it was insane and i wow. feel like she had i feel like if your daughter had a one it would be just like a straight line it, it might be pretty low yeah until she like because the only time i've seen her with what looks like <sighs> evidence of raised heart rate you know where you're kind of like you know what I mean like flushing and stuff mm-hmm. and you know you get the increased blood flow and uh is like when she's in an active when she's actively raged raging I mean that would do it and I hate to use that word I want to be clear with people it's not like a um uncontrollable uncontrolled Emotional outburst, it's a intentional rage. Like the difference is rage has to be directed at someone when it comes from somebody with, rage has to have a target. They don't do that. When it's coming just from psychopathy, they don't do that because it's different than being overwhelmed with emotion and and having to get that out. It's it's a different thing altogether. Kind of like when, those uh, crazy dudes get mad at their Xbox because it lags and then they break the whole thing and throw their controller through a window uh, and then just destroy the room. Those are the, that's right. That's an emotional outburst generally, but I have seen it happen where what, what I'm when we talk about like a directed rage, it's more like when an abuser um, gets mad and punches the wall as a way to show you what they can do. And it's not really because they're out of control and they wouldn't have done that if you weren't there. It's more like that. So I have seen the Xbox smash happen for the same reason as the, she, you know, the drywall punch, but yeah, it'd be so, but when she is doing that, uh, she will have increased heart rate, but that's probably more of the result of the, um, physical activity physical exertion i would say yeah that makes sense she's so wild i also want to know what it would look like if she wore one of those like uh brain monitors for a while when they measure like your brain activity i wonder because you said like psychopaths have like a different like a type of brainwave that most people don't have? The P3, well, the P3 brainwave, they have a suppressed reaction in the P3. The P3 is the brainwave where um, the amygdala recognizes like danger even before your thinking brain can register it, right? So that's the part that goes crazy for those of us who have like PTSD, right? And we get triggered by things that 
are definitely not, you know, are not dangerous. Like I get triggered by fucking iced tea because iced tea was, I was drinking iced tea at the, (laughs) you know, at the time of one of, of my really traumatic events. Obviously iced tea is very unlikely to harm me, but my brain for me. Right. So that brain wave that says, Oh, this is associated with danger for us would be a heightened P3 response. Right. Um, so like in Dr. Keel's book, um, the psychopath whisperer, he gives the example of he went hiking, he and a friend went hiking, they took the dog and they heard this strange sound, didn't recognize what it was. Then suddenly a baby rattlesnake is attached to the vest <laughs> that the dog is wearing. Um, and the, what it turned out to be was the, it was so small, the rattles weren't fully formed yet. So it didn't make the normal sound. So then further up the, you know, nobody's hurt. They move on up the trail. They hear the same sound and they realize they're all reacting before they even registered what it was. They're all reacting to get away from it because that P3 brainwave has already told them, hey, well, in psychopaths, when they do the functional MRIs, they've noticed a, um, a different, like it's a muted response for some where it just doesn't activate as as drastically as it would for everyone else but some there's even a negative p3 so their brain literally is not registering it as um danger at all and so that's why some of them will take very very risky uh engage in risky behavior because they're not seeing it as risky they just don't have have that same reaction. And so that's also why they don't have the same fear response because that comes out of the amygdala too, is um, they're just not, they don't become fearful from the same things or to necessarily to the same degree as the rest of us. I think your daughter and my roommate should both just wear uh, the brainwave monitors for a little bit. I would like to put them both in a functional MRI and take a look at the at the brain um, responses to things. I, I think it would be fascinating. Like I said, like it, it, it this will be very very interesting to me in a few years. Yeah, when, when she's grow, when she's grown and moved out. But yeah, so right now I'm torn between the oh this you know it's interesting and I like learning how her brain works to help, you know, (laughs) accommodate that Mm -hmm. and try to help set her up for a successful life. But then on the other hand, knowing is like terrifying because I'm like, literally, how do I keep this child alive (laughs) when she doesn't even register when things are a danger to her? (laughs) Yeah, like she got freaking bit by a snake. Didn't, I would have a heart attack if I got bit by a snake and like freaking out because you don't know it's not poisonous until or venomous until you go get it looked at like because if you don't know it's a snake well, it, you have to assume it's venomous. well non-venomous snakes don't have the fangs so you wouldn't even have the two punctures i mean yeah because they have the ones that have teeth have tiny teeth so you would have more um so you would have a different bite pattern but there's still- also my yeah like you like i got bit Right. And you wouldn't be out wandering around with no shoes after that, right? Like, we would probably have to drag you out of the house the first time. Yeah. 
absolutely right but she doesn't register that and like um I, she's not allowed any devices or anything although you know we do know she has a stolen um phone um that i haven't been able to uh find but um because and the reason she doesn't have devices is because she goes online and she seeks out predatory adults now she has catfished other people um like other adults but she particularly i've noticed a pattern of she will particularly seek out predatory adults who know she is a child and are looking for that because they will buy her things and because they know she's a child they're not good she can use that to kind of blackmail them because she has the leverage of i can turn you in you had me send you pictures and, and so of a, of a psychopath versus a pedophile is just it's interesting yeah and it's terrifying and it's like on on yes i know she's being you know she's being manipulative yes but and no she shouldn't do that whatever and yes they're exploiting her and all of that yes but the underlying concern that gets really terrifying is she doesn't recognize yeah. the danger like she doesn't recognize that as playing with fire and it doesn't matter how many times you explain it to her or show her other instances in her mind which again goes you know goes into the narcissism and all of that um she is in full control of the situation so it can't be dangerous and even if a bad thing did happen, would she even like understand that it's a bad thing happening? Like, um, it depends on what the thing is. Logically, she would probably know. Like, if she got like, for don't I hope this never happens, but if she got like kidnapped or like assaulted or something, like, would she like? I know she would know logically, but like, would she like? I think it depends on what it is, okay? So she is very, very high on oppositional traits, okay? Very, so if they like forcefully kidnapped her, it would be a problem, right? Because this isn't my idea. I didn't agree to this. So you can't tell me what to do, right? So she would probably, I would speculate, register that as an issue. Probably not fully appreciated for the danger Mm -hmm. but more from the defiance angle of how fucking dare you. Yeah. And so be outraged on that end. Um, but would she register being groomed and taught a kidnapping where they groom you and get you to agree to leave? Yeah. No, I don't think she would register that as a problem at all. Yeah. Cause if she would see it as her idea, her making an adult decision to go do what she wants because i feel and like not a pedophiles pretty much have like the same lack of empathy maybe not like i mean i would argue they're psychopaths but maybe not like diagnosable like because they don't meet like the criteria and don't have all of the same things but just like in my brain well there's like, also sociopaths too remember who have yeah. the lower level of yeah. empathy and there is a quite and there you know there is some overlap there for sure because there are a lot of pedophiles who do offend against children who 
don't have any yeah. empathy for their victims. I had or one in general, like right. I had one client, uh, one social work client, one time who had come in, and we were going over, you know, all the things that he needed, and he. In the midst of all this, because I am just apparently have the face that people tell all their deepest, darkest secrets to in the first time they meet you, um, decides to tell me. So he, this is really hard to say because I struggled with this when he was in the room with me even. Um, he had molested a family member, a child, um, had given her hepatitis. Um did not understand why everybody was so mad at him because he apologized. He said he was sorry. I mean, if you say you're sorry. Yeah, like zero empathy at all. So there is definitely an overlap in yeah. those two groups in in some places. I like, it's just crazy. Like the people you come across and like just everyday life that you would never think of. Like, like I remember when I first started doing social work, I was observing somebody do an interview and we were in one of those like tiny interview rooms. I'm sure you remember. Um, and we had someone come in and he was like really laid back, like posture and just like really relaxed in the situation. But like his voice was very like, firm and like aggressive and it was weird seeing like the difference like in his body and the way he was talking um and he told us like in the middle that he had just gone out of prison didn't tell us what for because we didn't have to know but told us he just got out of prison um and so we were like working on stuff with him and like getting it and it was just like very uncomfortable the whole time and then as he, w we were finishing up and he was getting ready to go, I stood up to like go open the door to like just let him out because I was sitting in front of it. And he gets like super close to me and looks at me, like down at me, like in my shirt and stuff. And I was like, I'll see you later. And I was like, no, yeah. absolutely fucking not. And then um, being nosy, of course, we look on the TOC and uh, he had been in prison for domestic violence um, serial assault, um, aggravated assault and battery, like with deadly weapons, uh, anything violent you could think of that was on his record. And I was like, sick, love that. I hope he never comes back. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, and he wouldn't like have thought it like looking at him, but that's, yep. It yeah. Was terrifying. <laughs> Well, and I think that's one thing you mentioned you wouldn't have thought it looking at him. I think that's one They're common. And I think that's one of the problems in uh, the general population is they think they have these stereotypes about what offenders look like. And I think when I say like you wouldn't have thought that just like looking at him, I think it was more like his like posture and, like mm -hmm. the way he carried himself because it was very like non-aggressive and non-threatening mm -hmm. like he's very laid back and just like chill but it was just like his voice and like the way he would look at mm -hmm. you was like an animal looking at prey 
<laughs> right, which is why I, I, which is why I do appreciate the fact that grooming is becoming a concept that more people understand and that's talked about more. Because um, I do think I haven't looked at the numbers, but I would speculate that more offenders get their victims by grooming than by overt force. Um, just because like a numbers game, you're going to be more successful, as, you know, as a groomer, especially if you're not able to violently overpower everybody that you're trying, you know what I mean? And especially like when it comes to pedophiles and things like that, you are very much at the mercy of, are they going to tell? That's right. And so that's where grooming comes in. They like you. Like right. There was another, like, um, like serial killer, not serial killer. It was, he was a pedophile. It was like a docuseries, I think. And he had been like a karate coach, I think, with a bunch of like teenage boys, like younger teenage boys, like 12, 13. And he would like groom them and like mm-hmm. become friends with the family. And the family would be like, yeah, totally, dude, you can take the kids out for like bowling and ice cream or whatever. And then so he would do that. And then, he would, you know, groom all the boys, mm-hmm. even families, and then, like, assault them. And the kids would never tell because, like, that's so-and-so. Like, he would never hurt me. Like, they just set themselves up for, like, success, I guess. Like, I don't know right. way to phrase that. It made me feel gross saying it. But I can't think of another phrase like right. But to succeed at their goal, to accomplish what they're trying to do, it is. And in my chest. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel, and to be sure you never miss an upload, make sure you turn your notifications on. And please come join us on social media so we can continue these conversations in between episodes. You'll find us at Hapoxia Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok.